With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. We've got lots to discuss. No, no, no news. Nothing. Yeah, negatory. It's like, but no, we've got lots of stuff to talk about, but we'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. It's not a happy Thursday. As a matter of fact, it's shit. But let's talk about it. So, Major League Baseball finally went with the universal DH. And before Mike interrupts me, I'm wearing this hat because this was real baseball. This is before the DH came into existence. When I was 10 years old, it came into existence, and I knew it was a vehicle for players who couldn't play in the field to actually have a job in Major League Baseball. And my argument was always, hey, if you can't go out there and play the full nine innings hitting and fielding, then you shouldn't be in baseball. That's the honest truth. Now, of course, there's always going to be an exception. A guy gets an injury, whatever. But for the most part, if you look at who's playing DH, it's true. The other thing is National League fans are National League fans. And there's plenty of us that only watch the National League and on occasion will watch the American League just if there's just a great matchup. But most of the time, don't. The reason was a lot of different things. There's a lot of tradition in the National League. Like, as an example... And it started with Bud Selig, and it's carried right through with Manfred. You know, the Cincinnati Reds always had the first opening day that went over 100 years. And then all of a sudden, Selig decided, oh, we have to do opening day now Sunday night. So sorry, Cincinnati Reds. Um, You'll get it on the next day. And then it got to the point now where they don't even get it anymore. They don't even get the first game on the next day or the the two days before because they have a stupid game on Thursday. November baseball is stupid, but yet it keeps happening. That's another tradition that has gone by the wayside in baseball. I'm not against evolving because a game evolving is one thing, but when you take away striking features that fans like on one side and don't want it to just be exactly the same all around, it's going to cause a problem. Well, even the biggest horror league out there, the NFL, maintains some traditions. Like, for example, Detroit and Dallas on Thanksgiving. They've added a games for, for profit because they're a for-profit league. But they maintain some traditions. Basically, and the funny, the funny thing is, baseball used to be the sport of tradition, steeped, yep. steeped in history. And yep. now Rob Manfred is going through the history of baseball with a knife and yes, just cutting it out. And he is, Corinne, I said on, on Twitter, and I'll, I'll back it up. He is the worst commissioner, uh, not only of baseball, but of professional sports. And I, and the, the one that I think, you know, Kenesaw Mountain Landis, who was the first commissioner of baseball, he's the one who banned the, the Black Sox back in 1920. And he was a congenital racist who – who kept black players out of baseball until Branch Rickey broke the color barrier in the 40s. And he was perceived as cleaning up baseball by by banning the the gamblers or by banning the the players who took money. But then later on in the 20s, there were accusations of Ty Cobb and Tris Speaker taking money 
and consorting with gamblers. And because he had already cleaned up baseball and his reputation was tied up in that, he ignored that. He put it to the side. So Manfred is ruining baseball. Any much more, much worse than Goodell is doing it in football and any other commissioner. And it's really for a sport that I love, it's a shame. Yeah, but you say that baseball used to be a sports of tradition, but it also used to be America's pastime. But it declined in popularity big time. So they're just trying to shake things up, I think. Make it more interesting for the casual fans, try to get people back into baseball because it's not as big as it used to be. No, so they're getting just a bit this way. There are no casual baseball fans. You can't bring them in. Uh, yeah, you can. Beyond that point, I don't think you can. Honestly, you can. I'll watch when the Blue Jays are in a good run. I'm a casual baseball fan. Okay, well that's when the team's on a good run. Sure, then you can get some. But if you're marketing or tailoring a sport, hoping to catch some of those other fans, you're not gonna. Yeah, but that—that's what your designated eaters are for. They're big hitters. People like seeing big hitters. They're not always big hitters. That's the funny thing. It's like a lot of times it's. The bad contract guy that's going to be your DH part-time because now they could justify his salary. That's going to happen on a lot of teams. Some of them will be big hitters. Some of them will be washed-up hitters, but hoping to regain their form. Some of them will be used for guys who could barely stay in the game, like some of these bottom-dwelling teams like the Pirates. They'll get somebody who thought they were going to be out of the game, and now they could sign them cheap and throw them in the DH slot. It's not going to improve a lot of teams. Well, let's just say this. Some teams, yeah. Let's just say this. When Edgar Martinez was led into the Hall of Fame, you knew that there would be sort of general acceptance of the DH across both leagues because I never thought a DH deserved to make the Hall of Fame. Same I never did either. He's a great hitter. Great hitter. He was a great hitter. Yeah, but he was but, a marginal fielder, and that's why he lost. Well, he was a, he was an oh he was an okay fielder, but after like the third or fourth year, they moved him from third base to DH, and that was because his range was bad, Mike. Right, his yeah, range wasn't great. So I mean, I, I mean, if if your goal is to add offense to see this is this is the problem, Corinne. I don't know. Baseball is right now a dying sport, and Manfred is doing what he thinks is going to be good for. Uh, making the game more acceptable to young people, like you know, uh, shortening the time of the game or putting runners on base. And the problem is, by doing that stuff, I don't think you're gaining new fans, and I think you're losing your old fans. The putting runners on bases, I take his act. Well, you might as well in hockey, abomination. In hockey, why don't you just have like a 13th forward now that could play all the time? And that could be a guy that just well, no, but in hockey, in hockey, they got rid of you know the draws. They did the three on three in the overtime. They're changing. I mean, every yeah. sport is changing. They, are, but they haven't. They haven't gone over the line yet. This this for baseball is going over the line. Here, here's, this is how lost they are. They're lost to the point where even Rob Manfred hired a firm, hired an investment banking firm to see how good an, an investment Major League Baseball is. Why would you do that? Why would you spend money on – you're not spending money on minor leaguers who are living hand to fist to try and make it into the sport, but you're spending millions of dollars on a stupid study for billionaires. It makes no sense. All right, let's start the show. Um, Ak will be joining us in a few minutes. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Karen Lyons, the abs blogger on Akibaz, because stuff is happening in Montreal and not just bad stuff for once. 
<laughs> well, we'll, we'll debate that. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll start with Montreal since we have Corinne here. And I think it wasn't a surprise because, okay, bringing in Kent Hughes, bringing in Jeff Gorton as your management team, you knew there were going to be changes. But yeah. I believe when Hughes was uh, met the press a few, few days back that he said that Descharm unless it was Gorton that said Deshaun was safe for the rest of the year. Yeah, now, Gorton did say that Deshaun was going to stay for the rest of the years, but things, you know, things degraded since yeah. then. So it was just not a Things decompensated from there because they play the Devils in the second, you know, the Devils had played the night before and gotten their ass kicked by Ottawa. They come in and they, they kick the Habs ass 7-1. And you knew something was going to happen, and then Ducharme gets fired. Now, you know, I, I don't know if it was Russ or somebody else in our group chat was saying, you know, they're paying, they're still paying Claude Julian. Now they're playing Ducharme. Of course they are. Yeah, they're paying Ducharme for another two years, and Julian, I think, for another year. I think this is the last year, maybe. But you know, you're, you've luckily there's no salary cap when it comes to coaches. No, but, there's no salary cap for the front office. So here's where here's where I'm scratching my head and i again i i'm not casting aspersions on marty san louis we know he was a classy player we know he's you know a hall of famer he's a great guy I mean, all, all all those things but he was coaching like what peewee hockey in connecticut yeah he was he was literally coaching peewee hockey but you know what i'm actually glad for this hire because for once there's people at the end of the abs that are thinking outside of the box they're not going back into the abs history book and thinking oh we'll just pick this legend or that one even though he's a molson rep right now we'll be the coach i mean you're much better off going with a guy that lives and breeds aki i mean marty said we might have been coaching in peewee but um he just had this presser actually and he said he's been watching aki intensely for 10 years and he's been preparing himself to become coach and I actually yeah, believe I mean, him and i don't know if you if you guys had a chance to look at the press conference but he was sat there on the podium and his face was actually saying the the whole time bring it on i'll show you what i can do and i i like that well, it's, he, he okay. confidence mean, it was great well, it's a, it, it, I mean, it's a no lose for Marty here. He's like, he's coming. They're, they're, you know, they have eight wins. It's a clusterfuck in, in Montreal right now. It's, yeah. a, it's a complete unmitigated disaster. So if they win five games, it looks like he's, you know, Toe Blake. Here's here's the way I looked at it. I, I did think it was a little bit of a head scratcher. I like Marty. I know he's fiery, but there's a hundred X NHL players that fall under the same category. I could go back to. Uh, when I interviewed Edgar LaProd, he's a guy who won the Calder Trophy in 1940. I interviewed him for a book, and I asked him who, was wor who the worst coach he ever had was, and he said Bill Cook. Bill Cook was a legendary player for the New York Rangers who set every scoring record of his era. Superstar. Went behind the bench. Horrible. Well, and yeah, same for Wayne Gretzky. We know what the dice roll is. And so, you know, we've seen Comparatively, Wayne, like if you compare Wayne to Rocket Richard, who what he retired after two games when he was coaching the Nordiques. Yeah, that wasn't good. Wayne was actually, Wayne was actually pretty decent because I think he lasted two or three years. But that the point the point being here is there's not a great record of the great player. 
Even right. in other sports, Ted Williams. No, but as, as soon as Kent Hughes was hired, when he spoke about the modern-day coach, the writing was on the wall for Sham because he said, you need a leader, you need someone who your players will want to follow into battle. Someone's going to inspire them. And, and on the other end, you've got Dusham, who's like a bumbling idiot in front of the media, and no, players I mean, are just dissing his system no, the whole time. Let's, let's so, talk about Dusham yeah. for a minute. Like, you know, I understood both sides of what EJ was talking about yesterday and Frank Saravalli, right? I would never presume to call somebody whatever because I'm not in the room. I don't do that. But, Corinne, we all pretty much agreed on this panel when we watched him coach in the Stanley Cup, he was getting out coached. Yes, he yeah. wanted other levels. It still doesn't make you an NHL coach. It's and, the and, same as college and, hockey and pro hockey. It's like you win at other levels. And talk about, talk about like, you know, the, the stars aligning. He was getting out coached in every series and still winning them. The Canadians won series last last spring or summer or whatever, not because of Deschamps. It was in spite of him. Because right. the moves that made them win, like bringing the kids in, he right. did it just because they were injuries. It and was just actually, like, thank God for injuries. because and otherwise, they, And they actually played better under Luke Richardson when Ducharme yeah, they did. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, see, that was the, that was the thing that, that sort of irked me. And I, I know a couple of people said this. So Luke Richardson has basically been a candidate, has been somebody who has been a logical head coaching candidate for years, going back to, I think, the Binghamton Senators. when he And he's, you know, he steps in for Ducharme when Ducharme has COVID and they play well. And now Ducharme gets fired and all they're doing is they're bringing in somebody. And and I... They, I, they, couldn't, they couldn't do Cunningworth 2.0. It's a shame, but it's because he doesn't speak French. He's not even in consideration because he doesn't right. speak French. I know right. it's stupid, but it's the okay, way... Let me ask you the big question. Um, Spectre brought this up on, on Twitter, and it was a good... He was. I think he was right, because the, the Montreal fan base is different than other fan bases. We know that. And he said, you know what? If St. Louis is a disaster... What are the fans now going to think of Gordon and Hughes, two new guys, they bring this in, and if this goes up in flames, what is their opinion going to be of them? That's a fair well, question. I, I, I think the one the one thing here, Corinne, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, they didn't commit to him more no. than this year. They said interim. So this yeah. is like, okay, here's a job interview. you got 37, 38 games to see – what you can do, and I, the way I looked at the hiring of of Sandway, I think it's I think it's a mistake. But the way I looked at it is okay. He's going to be like like Ted Nolan was in Buffalo in the sense that Ted Nolan is not an X and O's guy. He's a motivational guy. He's a guy who who engendered respect from the players. Marty San Louis has that gravitas. He is a you know, Hall of Fame player. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, the tactics are probably going to be with Richardson and the coaching staff. So if he's just the leader there, maybe he can work. But if it doesn't work, then I think they're looking for a coach in the summer. Well, to, to be honest, I don't think that Absan are actually believing, yes, Marty Singletui is here. He's going to turn everything around. That's not going to happen. No one can fix this tire fire right now. It's not going to happen. What people want to see is they want to see the abs compete. We don't care if they lose right now, but there's a way to lose. The way they lost against New Jersey was just unwatchable. I mean, I almost never turned off a game. That one I didn't finish. I was like, yeah, this is enough. I 
I can't take it anymore. But well, we don't think that Martin Saint is going to turn everything well, around. It's a human suffering. I mean, I get that. Well, yeah, that's that's borderline cruel and unusual punishment. Quite frankly, I was thinking and, of doing a charter challenge myself. And but, and, yeah. and Corinne, there there is supposedly, and I, I heard Connor McKenna, who uh, is on the radio in, in Montreal, was on uh, TSN radio in, in Toronto yesterday. And he was talking about how there's a sizable chunk of the Habs fan base that is pissed off because they want this team to lose this year. They want to be number one in the Shane Wright sweepstakes. And if you bring in San Luis and he's successful, that lowers their chances. I, I don't think that's such a sizable part of the, the fan base, quite frankly, because yeah. we all know that the man is not going to change everything by himself. And, you know, we just want to have watchable hockey. I'm fine with losing, but I want to see the team at least try what we saw in the last few weeks, they weren't even trying. But to be honest, I thought that saying we would be there on an interim basis, perhaps just to tell you know Gorton and Hughes, okay, this guy is part of the solution. This guy's good. This one you want to get out and blah, blah, blah. But after seeing the press conference, I think he's coming in and he wants to stay. The way he spoke, he wants to be there long term. Oh, well, listen, he, will he could stay. There's no question about that. But again, you've got a bunch of players that, right now are probably fair to say unmotivated. You yeah. are taking over uh, with an angry fan base. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's an uphill battle. So even well, if he feels like he did his best job, and like Mike says, they win five or six games down the stretch, unless they see a culture change, the odds are he's not going to get the job. Well, okay, let, let's let's go. I'd, let's I'd go. be I'd be willing to bet with you right now, Russ, that he's going to get the job. Just the way they spoke in the press conference, and he seems to know use and but what, if, but what well. if they don't look any better? I, they will. Yeah. It's impossible that they don't look better. Well, it's just, listen, it's we all say that, but I've seen teams sink further. I have. No, 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 no. This is the worst they've been in 110 years. Come on. What if? Yeah, probably you're right, but what if? What if they, you know, they have eight victories in the first 43, 44 games. What if they have eight more victories and they go 16 and and uh, 67 or whatever the hell it is? You know, yeah. what what if they don't improve? I think they're still going to give the manager a, a chance with a new form team that they've got to drawn up for him because you know what they said earlier? They said that we could have done better by Sham. We could have given him more of a chance to win by getting in new players, but we don't want to succeed right now. We want now, to succeed long-term. So that's what we're thinking. So they're not expecting success right now. They want it long-term. Okay, I think this is a trial run for saying we as much as it is for them. They want to see, he wants to see if he's going to like it. They want to see if he's going to like it. That, that's okay. the point. Okay, give me give me a read. I'm just going to read off names here uh, and give me their status and what you think may happen before the deadline. Because, you know, this is going to be before the deadline or yeah, before, meaning before they, next season. Oh, OK, well, well, either or. But I'm just saying let's let, let's get I mean, I, I, we're not going to talk Carey Price because we know the situation there. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he's open to moving someplace, but that's a that's a big ticket. So that's a whole thing. But, um, you know, Jake Allen's injured right now. They have Caden Primo and Montalblanc as the uh, as the goaltenders. Montalblanc. I, I always Montalblanc. No, no, no. Yeah, I always butcher it. Um, OK, Hoffman, is, is is he still injured? Is he back? No, he's back. He's back. I don't. I don't think that he necessarily wants to move, and I'm not sure there'll be plenty of suitors for him because his rep isn't exactly great, is it? Okay. So I don't think it's the most attractive player. Joel Edmondson has not played a game this year. No. What is the status? 
still back injury is that died as well so he's not even skating right now so you know he's not going anywhere okay so um has jeff petrie did he did he actually request a trade or is that just not in so many words but he's been told by management we know what's going on with your family we know you'd like to be in the us if we find a deal for you we'll accommodate you so he didn't have to ask. Just the way his life is going right now, the way he's playing, clearly something's off. They want to move him. Will they right. be able to move him with his contract before the deadline? I'm not sure, but come October, he's not here anymore. Well, I want to point out, Corinne, um, before Mike goes on with this, in 1939-40, the Canadians were dead last in the league with 10 wins. And in 94-95, they were 17th in the league. So they've had really bad seasons before. Yeah, but not as bad as this. They haven't. Oh, I don't know. 1939-40, they were dead last in the whole league. It was a World War II. We didn't care back then. Well, no, it, it was it wasn't like the Leafs were invading the Sudetenland in 19. Anyway, um, okay, uh, Ben Sherratt, we know. Yeah, he's uh, expiring can contract. He's moving, uh, but I'm really hoping they're moving soon because the way it's going right now, the way everyone keeps getting injured. Actually, I just, Mike, I gotta bring I'm this up. I'm scared that he will get injured and there's nothing funny. for him. This is funny from Wikipedia. So the first NHL game broadcast was between in the Rangers and the Canadians in 1940. 300 people watched. <laughs> That's like a Sabres game right now. Um, I mean, it's like a neighborhood. <laughs> now, okay, here. So. They'd have a lot of TVs back then. So what you're saying, what you're saying, Corinne, is you think that they might be proactive in trading Sherratt earlier, but to prevent having him get. Yeah, I can see that. Well, yeah, you, you know, is is your most tradable asset right now because he's yeah. on an expiring contract and he can be really useful on the blue line. So, so trade him now, please. Russ, just 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 to break into what Timothy Park said, I don't know if the the, the Harden Simmons deal apparently has happened in the NBA. Okay, well, I mean. The, the Nets have now got a guy who doesn't want to shoot the ball, but will pass the ball and play defense, and that's great. Well, great. And 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 and, and the Sixers have a guy who is, uh, you know, basically like Santa Claus with the long beard and the stump. Well, not that heavy, but will he be checking out Pats and Geno's and all the cheesesteak places? Yes. Yeah. And hopefully he's not like John Kerry and has Swiss cheese on them. Um, okay, David Savard is the one I'm interested in, Corinne. They just signed him. Four years, three and a half million per. Um, that was a very Bergevin signing, quite right. frankly. I'm but, not sure that this new management is keen on David Savard. Really. But the, the question is, is like, I think he is marketable. He's right-handed. The, mm -hmm. the, the amount is not ridiculous in terms of cap it. But he is 31 years old. I and, don't know. Maybe call Los Angeles. Speak to Bergevin. See if he wants him back. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I actually think in a, in a weird way, not that I can see these two teams trading with each other, that Savard might be a right fit for Toronto because Toronto is looking for a right-hand shot defenseman who can play in the top four and a, a cap hit that's not ridiculous. So, I mean, that, but I see the thing is, and I was talking this over with Russ, well, for Petrie, I don't think you're getting anything back. No, it's, you're not getting anything back. Because, because six barely, 
Guys, Petrie before the season had four seasons in a row. I know. He's a good player. I'm not saying he's not. Corinne, that's the problem. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not a good player. What I'm saying is he's having a terrible year. He's 34 years old, and teams are gonna. And and if he wants out of Montreal, this is they're not in a great position to say okay. No, they're definitely not in the position of course. But I think they see past the crap year. Yeah, this is the conundrum. If they trade him at this deadline because they want cap space, they're getting nothing. If they wait and he starts off next year okay and they trade him, then they'll get something because he'll have two, you know, only two years on his contract. Then, right. No, no, he's well, got two three. and a half. Well, be two and a half. Three. Three. Well, they'll be partly into that season. He's got three, he's got three and a half right now. Oh, he's got three and a half. Okay, so then three it'll be after the year. That's a tough trade, Corinne. Yeah, I mean, I, it is. It is, but I still believe they'll be interested for Jeff Petrie. There, there, might, sure. there might be more of a hockey deal in the summer because Well, yeah, that, that's why I said by yeah, October, not by the are so close to the cap. It's now, tough. now, okay, moving moving up to forward, um, I think eventually, but maybe not this year, I think eventually they're going to try to find a way to trade Gallagher. Um, yeah, Gallagher. I think you know when when they appointed Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, Gallagher was asked, "So, what do you want to do? You want to stay, or do you not want to stay?" By the media, and it was like, "Well, when I signed my new contract, I said that my priority number one is winning. So obviously, I need to think about what's what's going to happen here. So just by that, you can tell that Gallagher is not really interested in reconstruction. I mean, it sucks because I like the player, but I I think he's on his way out of town." Um, and yeah. interestingly, today there was an optional skate on the day that the new coach is there. Gallagher wasn't there. Yeah, see, that's a sign. I agree. I was uh, like, whoa, that's weird. Now, I know that he played really well last year, and I loved the way he played before he got injured in Columbus. But I look at Josh Anderson now, and five more years at five and a half million dollars. That was exactly. a dice roll that that we, you know, act like that better than we did, Mike. And we yeah. knew it was a dice roll. We said, hey, if he turns out, and even Corinne said this, I don't think you were hundred percent on board. You were kind of like, hey, if he turns back into the old old guy, you know, the one from a couple of years ago, that's it's a good trade. But if not, I mean, a good signing. But if it's not, it's not. He can have an impact. He's able to have that impact, but the guy is so often injured. It's unreal. Yeah. He, he needs to shake this up. But I, I think he's staying basically because there won't be any takers. So now, that's okay. that's a Bergevin legacy. You start with that, that one. I, I wanted, it's interesting um, to see you know talk about Gallagher getting traded, and you know I'm thinking about teams that would want him, right? And how many more years are left on his deal, Gallagher? Five. Five. Forget it. Five and six points. Not getting traded. Never mind. Let me throw one more name out here before we get X to take on the Montreal thing. We haven't even talked Edmonton yet. But, yeah, we got a lot going on today. Okay, so, okay. We've heard the chatter about Pavelski and Colorado. We've heard the chatter yeah. about Giroux and Colorado. I'm always suspicious of the move that hasn't been talked about. Yeah. It's been talked about in the past. Colorado. Jonathan Drouin and Colorado because of the McKinnon connection. And I would rather, even though Pavelski, even though Giroux are rentals and, and Drouin has one more year, his cap hits a lot less yeah. than 
Pavelski. It is, and I I think part of the reason that Jonathan Roy is still there is because Bergeron sacrificed Sergeyev to get him, and he wanted that project to work. You know, he didn't want to say, okay, I give up on Jonathan Roy, but he hasn't got that that sort of a tie to the Roy. So yeah, I can see that happening. But he's he's no longer there, so I think Gordon has carte blanche to be able to make moves that that Bergevin wouldn't. So, like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we've talked about Duran in Colorado so long. Yeah, and 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 I wrote about it. I wrote about it a lot. Um, I wrote I wrote a blog about it about a month ago that it was heating up again, that it was out there already, and I really think that um, I think this is a Nathan McKinnon thing. You know, like this is this is definitely one of those things that McKinnon would love to happen. You know, like he he and he's really tight with Duran. He thinks Duran's a great player. He's frustrated with Duran. I've heard this from many people. He's frustrated with the, with what Duran's had in his career happen, you know. Um, but no, you know, you can't be frustrated with Duran. Duran, it, 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 you can't blame anybody but Duran for Duran's career. Honestly, no, 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 no. I, I, okay, I mean, I, would, I, I honestly think I blame that, I blame the Canadians for bringing in a talented player and putting him in a position that he was not meant to play. They brought him in as a center. It yeah. was not just a center, a number one center. Montreal. Okay, that's fair. Maybe I was being a little bit over. Yeah, the, Alex Kalchenyuk, Jonathan Duran. How many friggin' times are you gonna even do this in Tampa? Even in Tampa, his consistency was all over the map. I mean, he he had moments in Tampa where he was really good. He moments when he wasn't. You Russ, muted yourself, Russ. Muted, Russ. You're muted. Unmute you. You're muted. <laughs> He um he was young and headstrong then, and I remember him having some issues with some players. I, you know, I think that's a different guy now. Yeah, I think that's true, and I and I know, like I said, McKinnon loves him, and would like yeah. to see him redeemed. Like he wants to see, he wants oh, to. I'm sure, I'm be sure. Part of that. He, he, he thinks that this is a guy. You know, obviously they played together. They set all kinds of records. McKinnon credit, credits, you know. And, uh, and I'm not saying I'm not, say, I'm not saying all of these guys are going to get traded, but we've I, I heard Elliot Friedman mentioned Dvorak and his possible trade. I've heard we've heard Toffoli rumors. Toffoli, I wouldn't be surprised because Toffoli can be that, quite useful, and he's got a you know a low cap hit really. Nobody would have thought that Christian Dvorak gets traded. No, we way. just we just went through we just went through the list there, and we we just mentioned eight or nine players. At Eck, you better set up a tent outside the Bell Center for the deadline because that's the way it's going. I think I can get there, you know, with COVID and everything. But I um, can. Yeah, you I can. can. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll set up the Karen tent. The Karen tent outside. Come visit Karen in the tent. Go check her out. So um, give, give us your thoughts on San Luis before we move um, on. I I um so I have a funny story. So the one of the first All Star games I ever attended, I was invited by an agent who was a who was a friend of mine to after to to, to look at after dinner. Like go let's have dinner in, in, in Dallas. This is in Dallas. This is the first All Star game I ever went to. Uh, as as a, as a media member, so I'm in Dallas. And I, I get, I get I know you were at that game, right? And it was kind of fun. It was fun. I did the whole thing. Was I went, no, Dallas was good. It was great. I went to there. I saw how the youth hockey program was running. Amazingly, I got. I was really impressed with Dallas. Anyway, after the game, I go out with um this agent, two other friends of his, Tim Thomas, who was the MVP of that All Star game. Or he should have been. <laughs> I don't think he was, but he should have been. Think he had either. But he should have been. I thought at the time. And the other guy was there who was a, who I had never met before was Marty St. Louis. So I got to have dinner with him and and sit there and and I was just thoroughly impressed, like completely and utterly um, impressed with him in every way, shape, shape, or form. You know, just beyond beyond just you know, obviously we know what he does on the, you know what he does on the on the on the ice. You know, we know what he does there. He you know how class he is. We've we've been through that. We've seen how he handled he handled seamlessly the the, the transition out of Tampa to New York. 
Um, he's really just, he's just putting me a class and how he's been always, but you know, he was a university of Vermont guy, right? There was mm -hmm. another university of Vermont guy at this party too, by the way, who I don't know. I can forget who it was, but anyway, it wasn't John LeClaire. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, he wasn't in that all-star game. Okay. Um, is there he's the only other university of Vermont guy that comes to mind in the NHL for some reason, I'm sure I think there's been a few others, but those are the I think two this people. was somebody who was at, the, at Vermont who was being wooed by the Asian and brought down to the all-star game. I think ah, that was ah. happening. So yes. he may not be in the NHL. I'm not even sure he was. But anyway, um, I was I was I was solely blown away by Thomas Tim Thomas's non-athletic feeling, like the feeling like you weren't like I've hung out with people and, and there's no way he was a professional athlete. Like right. you know, having like sitting around a sitting in a booth at a bar with Tim with Tim Thomas was really crazy. Like he just absolutely was like he was like your brother's fat. No, your, your your friend's fat older brother. That was like Tim Thomas to me. He was like, that's who he was. Anyway, but Marty St. Louis and, and Thomas are tight, and they really talked, and they and they really completely – I was just kind of blown away by the whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's – I think this is a fantastic move. Like, I think this is a – I think this is the kind – and I know he's never coached before, and I know – Yeah, I know he's coaching that. He's coaching Pee Wee. He's coaching oh, – yeah. <laughs> well, I know he's never really coached before, and I think that, you know – I mean, our Captain EO is, is coaching Pee Wee too, but I don't expect the Flyers to call him no, up. No, 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 no. Captain, um, Captain EO's playing for Team USA in Beijing. He yeah, that's true. He's in, he's in Ericsson. Captain EO has a mustache now. He was hiding it behind a mask. Looks pretty good. I'll just. That's pathetic. Um, all right. I, I haven't seen that yet, Russ. <laughs> wow. All right. So, anyway. Um, all right. Nice, so. Nice, nice guy. Way to go. Here you go. Very nice guy. Worked with him for a very long time. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So. Victor Stahlberg is now the University of Vermont. Uh, that could have been it. That you know, I, I think that is it. I just pretty funny because this agency did sign it. That's that's who that must be who that was. Anyway, another on the Leafs trashy pile. Yeah, but here's yeah. the thing about Marty St. Louis that was really just like ultimately impressive to me was just like you know when he talked about the All Star game and you know it's the All Star game and it's like there's no there's no really nothing really happening. But he was just like you know like man the things that you would do if it wasn't an All Star game with this kind of talent out there. And he started talking about you know he's like, like this is the this is this line if you in an All Star even play this line together. He's like but you know. In a regular, if this was a regular game, and I had that team. This is the line I played together, which was like a totally different combination. And, it, and so he was already at that point. What I remembered about it was he's thinking like a coach, kind of, you know, like he's like a guy who's just completely tuned in. I, I was just really impressed. Um, yeah, but what was interesting in the press conference he just gave, though, is that he was asked about what kind of hockey he wanted the Canadians to play, and he said, yeah. "I'm not much of a system guy. I don't like systems. You box yeah. in yeah. players in a system. I like concept." Team concept. I want my players to read the game, not just be stuck in a system. So the idea that's going to be not as smart as not as smart as Marty St. Louis reading the game. That's the problem. This is. I'm telling you right now. Marty can read the game and not have a system. Other players. Remember, remember, act. Remember the book on Ted Nolan in Buffalo. He had Paul Terrio and he had other assistant coaches who were the X's and O's guy, and he was the motivational guy. He was the inspirational guy. I'm telling you right now, based on that, that's what Marty San Luis is going to be. I'm going to go back to this act. Ted Williams, largely the great, largely known as the greatest hitter to ever play in Major League Baseball, when he was managing the Washington Senators after he got fired. They said, what was the most frustrating thing for you? And he was like, nobody, I couldn't teach anybody how to hit like I could and it frustrated the hell out of me. That is a possibility for St. Louis. There is there is an element and a huge element with Marty St. Louis of just naturally God-given talent, right? Like, it, it, like yes. there's the reason he makes it at his size. Is, yes, there's a lot of talent there, but there's also a lot of fight and a lot of improving yeah. and a lot yes, of no, perseverance. So here's you know, why I think it's a perfect move. I don't think he's a long-term coach for the Montreal Canadiens. Like I, I really don't, and, and he might be, he might be, but this is like you know he's 
they, they went to him. This is how what I think happened. They went to him and they said, um, we need somebody for the rest of the season, Marty, for sure. Um, we know you've never coached before, but we think that you're such an inspirational guy and like such like, if you think about it, like the prototypical Montreal Canadian over the last several years has been the smaller feisty guy. Like Marty St. Louis is the best of that kind of player that it's ever been. Right. So he's like, you, you come in here, you, you know, you, you put some, you put some inspiration into these guys, you know, show them what it's like to be around us, around a hall of famer. Who's won Stanley cup. Give them that attitude. Players love other players. Players love players, coaches. It's like, Player, I remember I remember talking to Hitchcock so many times about how much he hated this, that players loved the coaches that were players. Like Hitchcock was like so frustrated by it, in Philly especially, because he like, never got to Carter. Well, it's only because Ken kept hearing early in his career yeah. before he won a Stanley Cup that, hey, you're not a former player. You're you're not going to be a great coach. Like he heard no, but that. This goes, this goes beyond that. And this, so he had had a lot of success when he coached in Philly. By the time he coached in Philly, he had a lot of success already. Yes, he already won a true. Stanley Cup. When he got fired out of Philly, I talked to him on the phone later that day after the press conference, after everything was done. I, I'm friends with him. You know, I said, I'm sorry, man. This is really rough. He's like, yeah. And he was like almost not in tears, but really frustrated. He's like, just these, he's, and he said to me, like, these guys like Richards and Carter who were there at the time, remember? He's like, these guys will never accept a coach that wasn't a player. He's like, they'll never, they'll just, and he told me that flat out. He's like, that's, that's on it. And he was so mad about it. Well, that was, yeah, but, but that, and that's just an aside because the, 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 the actual reality here is that, Marty St. Louis has so much respect among players that you're going to see. I think this is going to help the Canadian. It's almost like bringing in a player coach for a while. Um, and just these guys, they don't want they don't want to turn it around. They don't want Marty St. Louis to have like this incredible streak right now. No, but system systemless hockey worries me. I, you're seeing that now in Philadelphia. Just as an example, and then we'll go yeah, back to this. Just so Corinne understands what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was looking down at the time. Yesterday, the Flyers had a five on four, but only four guys were on the ice. The other team gets a two on one, comes back. The puck goes back the other way. The Red Wings get the puck back the other way. And finally, a fifth player came on the ice for the oh. power play. It was like 35 seconds of a power play when oh. a player wasn't there. That's what could happen in systemless hockey. Well, I know, I know, I know. I know. I, my, <laughs> I know Eck wants to avoid talking about the cluster F that's the Edmonton Oilers, but we have to talk. I'll about get there that. in a second. Let me finish one thought with this. Um, Cause I have one more thought with this and then Mike will definitely go there because, but so my feeling is this, that he, Marty St. Louis is there for the time being and he's there to, I agree with that. he's there to put in and he knows it. He knows it too. I think because he knows that he's not really qualified to be a NHL head coach yet. You know, like, he's I don't know if he knows that. I'm not going to say that because or maybe he doesn't, maybe he, he can do anything, which is fine. It may be, No, that is part of what it is. That, that is part of what makes him him. Yeah, you're right. But, he, yeah. but at the same time, if he gets fired, you can hear him saying very quickly, well, you know, I wasn't really ready for that. Whatever. But cause he's, he's that way too. He's a really humble guy. So humble and, humble and yet incredibly driven is a great quality. It's like Dale um, so, also can be incredibly grumpy. So there is, Oh yeah, no, no. He expects he expects people to work, and it, like you, you're gonna. That's the Montreal Canadiens are gonna work hard under him. That you know, like they might not have a system, but they're gonna work as hard as they can at, at not playing that system, I guess. But they will definitely, um, you know. And but I think that you know, I look at Caulfield, like you know, like a guy like Caulfield who is so important to this team, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a great mentor for him. Like this is no like this is. That. And I think that that comes into it too. They look at who's you know who's moving forward with us, who's going to be mm -hmm. part of our team, and. There is no Caulfield has not really been treated in Montreal like he should have been treated. 
Um, that, that's one that. of the reasons why Dusham is not there anymore. Yeah. Kent Hughes actually said today that we wanted him to finish the season, but then seeing the way the players were used and what, what yeah. was happening with development and all that, we just couldn't stand that. Anymore. Well, Hughes is right about Dusham. Like we talked about that with Caulfield yeah. not getting in the playoffs last year. And then, yeah, this year he has a hiccup. I didn't mind that they sent him down because he does still need to round out his game. Everything else is there, though. Well, so yeah, the worst the thing you can do to that kind of team. player is put him on the fourth line with limited. Yeah, yeah, you so. see, the part that's sending him, sending him down is not the issue because he got to that point, rest, but it shouldn't get to the point where he has to be sent down this year. Like that's that's where no, that's he should, that's fair. That's he fair. should be he should be played in spite of his in spite of his uh, you know areas of his game that he needs to develop. He should be playing in the top six because he's got yeah. top six offensive talent. Yes, and especially now when you're 45 games into a season and your season is a complete loss, you know, take the pain defensively and see if he can develop offensively. But okay, and I think that's okay. what happens here. Marty saying we will bring that. Marty saying we remember was with Tampa before Tampa was good, too. Yeah. He, he was there when he was there and it saw them through that process. So I think that this is this is a good this this is perfect. Long term, no, it's not. It's not. And I, it, hey, if he if he just turns out to be the most incredible coach ever, but it really reminds me a lot of like Patrick Wah in terms of just like an emotional coach who's going to go yeah, in there. That's, that's why I've said Ted Nolan. I, I think Ted Nolan. I, I've watched Patrick Wah in person coach in junior hockey, and it, what makes him successful in junior hockey is they're not going to mess with Patrick Wah yeah. because they're young guys. This is NHL. Even though Marty Saint Louis is a fight a feisty guy and. They could they could tune Marty out very easy. These NHLers that they yeah, want showing showing them is stealing. God help you. God help you. Yeah, they, they've already they cup ring to them. Jesus. Yeah. God help him. God help you if you tune out Marty St. Louis. Is all I can say. Like because he he is. I do not want to be You might do that. Five foot. He's five foot eight of absolute fireball fury. Yeah, you know? If you're a UFA <laughs> and you don't like what he's saying, you could tune him out. All right. Um, now. I I happened to be watching last night watching the black the Blackhawks and Edmonton Oilers game. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was dumbfounded by how much the Oilers have just checked out. They so, have totally they, checked out. They played two game two games in two nights. They played Mike Smith in both games. They got shut out by Vegas. They, you know, they dominated shots on goal and chances early in the game against Chicago. Yeah. They lose, they lose to them four one. And th when I heard, when I heard this act this uh, this afternoon from Elliot Friedman, I, I I mentioned it in the group that it just dumbfounded me. I've been saying forever they need to get a goaltender. Yeah. And and we thought, okay, Ken Holland, he's got to be going out and getting a goaltender. Oh God, I don't want. Well, to he supposed, supposedly offered. <laughs> hey, what's that? I said, oh, God, I don't want to talk about this. I know where you're going. Yeah. He supposedly <laughs> offered a fifth-round pick for Martin Jones. Okay, that's real. That's real. Uh, um, uh, first of all, gumption when it comes first of all, Fletcher needs to be fired right now. Like, that. That if he doesn't take that. He should have taken it. <laughs> I, give, I give up. Like, this, is, you know, this is a bigger systemic problem where I think there are still people in Flyers. And I'm kidding. He doesn't need to be fired right now. I'm going to get killed. No, no, no. But I think they – at that point, and I think even now, as of yesterday, before the game, maybe after the game they don't feel that way, that they felt like they could still string together 10 wins and still be in it. So I think that's probably why they didn't trade Jones, but they should have traded him. Well, what I'm talking – I mean, I'm talking about the Edmonton side of the thing is – we know, but I know, but we need. We know that Edmonton has needed a number one goaltender for three friggin' years. Well, and the, and the whole world. The problem is the whole world knows it too, Mike. And no one's yeah, going to hand it to him. At a certain point, you gotta pay the piper. 
Yeah, well, but that's no saying. I mean, they don't yeah. have much cap space. They yeah. don't have great prospects. You what fell they short, with, Mike. You fell short on Markstrom. You fell short on Grubauer. And now when you know when everybody knows you need a goaltender, you're not going out and talking about Varlamov. You're not going out and talking about Kudobin. You're talking about trying to trade for Martin friggin' Jones. Because yeah. he doesn't make much. Why did they fall short on Markstrom? No, because they, they didn't have any more money. And they don't have money because it's the decisions they've made over the last several years. And that's also it's like the I'm last saying. five years. It's before Holland. Right, so, right. so Ken, Holland, Holland, yeah. Ken Holland paints himself into a corner, doesn't get a goaltender, doesn't really improve his defense. And now he fires Tippett and maybe that was over overdue. But you know what? This is not Tippett's fault. This is Ken Holland's fault. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, listen, we know that Jones probably is no better than what they have. We get that. And I get what Mike is saying, too. But it's not like Ken Holland had a million options in the offseason. He didn't. The problem and is. I'm not saying he's done a good job. He has You get the sense that Ken Holland trusts his own w- ability to evaluate goalies. Like, that's my frustration in this. Because, like. Because he was a goalie? It, yeah, or something yeah, like I that. Think there's something to it. There's well, a I, weird thing there. Like, you know, he needs to find. Like, to me, it's Hudobin. Like it's, there's no two ways about it. Like, I, and I'm a, I'm a, whatever, I'm a goalie. And maybe, you know, and he takes, he costs a lot, but I've seen Hudobin win recently. I've seen him. Former goalie, I just want to tell you that. I'm well, still a goalie. Yeah, you know, I was out there on my rink just two days ago before it melted. Well, and I was out there. Squirrels. Well, honestly, I, I call, I call into question Ken Holland's ability to evaluate goaltenders because, because, um, okay, he go, he went out in his tenure, he went out and signed Cujo when Cujo, Cujo was, was at the bottom end of his career. That's he went and signed Hasek at the bottom end of his career. He won Stanley Cups with Chris Osgood, not exactly Terry well, and that, That's the bottom line here, Mike. Holland has not been one who's ever put a huge emphasis on goalies, honestly. He's wrong. And he is wrong. But you know, he did, do you he know did. what I wouldn't be Go ahead. incredibly surprised to see happen? I wouldn't be surprised to see Price end up in Edmonton. I'm with in you. a hockey trade in the summer with yeah. Canadians retaining some salary during a rebuild. I wouldn't be surprised sure, to see that's that happen. possible. I, I, and, you know, it's... and Price, you tell him, do you want to go to Edmonton play with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl? I mean, who's yeah, going to say no to him. that? Until McDavid yeah. and Drysaddle ask for a trade two years, right. Price will be well, but part of part of them not asking for a trade two years from now would be bringing in Carey Price. I mean that that I think is a big. I I completely, how do they afford it? I don't know. The Canadians retain some salary. And, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins probably goes back to Montreal on the deal. Like honestly, he's something got like a that no move, and he's not moving. Yeah, he has to agree. Obviously, Ryan Nugent Hopkins might be okay with that. Like I mean he. Yeah. He he is the crazy thing. I heard the statistic this morning. He's been there for twelve years in Montreal, in Edmonton. I mean, he's been in Edmonton oh. for twelve years, and has yeah. He came in in two thousand eleven, or t- he came in two thousand eleven. So eleven eleven years maybe two thousand nine. Ten, ten years. All right. So ten, he he. That's how many coaches he's had. Seven. Right. He's had it said seven coaches. Yeah. That's crazy. And um, I guess this is the eighth. So the reality, or is this? That, that's that's just. And and Tippett's been and Tippett's been there a while. Like Tippett's been there a while too. That's the other thing that's weird about that. So it feels like Tippett's been there a while at least, right? He's been there what three years? Yeah, but but again, this is what happens with Tippett though. It gets to the point where yes, Tippett you know gets the team to overachieve at the beginning, then they start leveling off, leveling off, leveling off. But he never upsets the apple cart enough that you want to fire him. But then you just eventually have to fire him because, like what Mike just said, there's nothing else left to do. Yeah, I mean they have to they have to find their way to to to, to, to Hadobin or something along those lines like a goalie. Well, who's, okay. 
let me ask a question. Why wouldn't you do that when Tippett was there? Tippett was probably begging them to, you know, I have to yeah. start friggin' Miko Koskinen. You know, I mean, actually, Tippett is a player's coach and probably wasn't begging them to do that. Like, the reality is Tippett is the kind of coach who probably was, like, just like, trust me, I know my team. I know my players. They can do, you know, that's the kind of, he's not, he's not the coach that's going to, like, Babcock's in there. Like, he's a different story. Like, he would be, he would be just, like, just, you well, know, I that I that, that's the thing I was surprised at. I I I swore, and I have I had no inside info. I swore that they were gonna go if if they were firing Tippett, they were to go Babcock, and may, you know, maybe Babcock is still too toxic to hire. Yeah, he is. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. And McDavid didn't, knows that, but this is the thing: they go through McDavid, right? So like they, McDavid has played with Babcock, coaching him in you know in different situations for Team Canada, right? He has at this. Point. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think Chris Knobloch, if the Rangers let him talk to him after because he was his eerie coach. This is an interim. They're like they're letting Woodcroft. That's coach fine. Knobloch would take an interim spot, and it's still a step up. No, I'm saying Woodcroft is. Woodcroft coach. was named the coach, not the interim coach. So that's what's. Yeah. They named him the coach. They named him yep. the coach. Wow. Todd Woodcroft. Now I'll tell you the thing about him is you know um, first of all. This has been in the run. This has been talked about for a while, and that's why when you talk about Marty Jones, Martin Jones being the trade thing happening a little while ago, Martin Jones, there's no way they're not they're making an offer for Martin Jones without talking to Woodcroft, right? Because Woodcroft was the assistant coach for the San Jose Sharks for most right. of Jones' career, right. right? So he knows Jones inside out, and and if you know Jones, he's a great guy, and it's like you you really want him to succeed. You can see why this would happen, right? So, but you know that. So, but Woodcroft is actually has like an amazing reputation among among people I've talked to. Um, and 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 I met him when I did a story, a big story in San Jose when I was out there. And I just was, again, like just one of these guys. He reminded me, like I've met, I met Sheldon Keith one time too. Um, and I would say that Woodcroft and Keith, they're cut from like the same kind of mold. And they have their same, they're both like, they're both roughly like 45 years old, roughly around there, right? They have the same sort of system. Bakersfield was a fun, <laughs> Bakersfield's a fun, good team in the yeah, AHL. You know what his record was at the University of Vermont? No. 518 and 2, 110 and 2. Okay, that's it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying that he, well, all I know this is, is what he's Todd Woodcroft. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Oh, yeah, but that's, you know, that it's hard again, you know, just like people, I mean, are, being, saying, it's, you people know, are being a little hard on Ducharme because he didn't have a lot there, even though he was screwing up what he had. Right. Did you like anything he was doing in the playoffs? No. The answer was no. no. I, we sat there. We sat there and said there was nobody was, nobody was. He was like the opposite of whatever Murphy's Law opposite was. That was Montreal right. in the playoffs last year. <laughs> right. If anything can go right, it will. Like, right. I don't get that. And that was the strangest thing, right? So, but yes, I think Ducharme is getting unrighteously ripped, which is not fair. No, but, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, but, you know, at the same, because he is, an, he's a freaking NHL coach and he will probably be back an NHL coach. But the, um, but this guy, I think, I mean, I, I, Bakersfield is 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 one of like the is one of the class organizations of the NHL. Jay Woodcroft. The AHL. Jay Woodcroft. Sorry, we apologize. Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft. Oh, yeah, that's all right. So it's not Todd. Okay. No, it's Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, there you go. And Jay, Jay if you see Jay's I was career as a, if it was Todd. he was never drafted in the NHL, but his career as a player okay. is like the craziest group of teams that he played for. Like he he started off in Alabama, he played for Alaska, he went to he was and then he was in like El Paso. Oh, then so he, he was, was in Alabama Huntsville. That's cool. Yeah, he was all he was all over the place, and um, he's had his, his his playing career is crazy. He's a good guy. He will get along with McDavid really well. Like McDavid and he, yeah. and he will let this team. Oh, okay. Like, like Keith, like Keith lets the Maple Leafs go. 
he'll let the Oilers go. Now, whether or not that'll work or not. And, and, this one, and this one would smack Mike a little, but I think he would see what where I'm get headed with this. So now that we know what we know about Karel Vegmelka, who was signed to a one-year deal by Arizona, do you think he would have been an upgrade for the Oilers? I kind of do. Yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He was a free agent. He, he was, was a free agent. Yeah, but he wasn't even on the radar. He was for Arizona. Oh, I know that, but who's to say he was for Edmonton? Well, yeah, Arizona, but the radar, for Arizona, the radar for Arizona is literally the is literally like going to like Russ, TJ. Russ, Russ, <laughs> he played in the he played in the Czech Super League. I get it, but when you're a team, you have to be aware of all of these guys. And I'm getting to X sure. point where he basically says Holland is a little well, too. There's insulated. another. There's another. There's another. That's slam. a guy they could have gotten. There's another slam on Ken Holland. You should be scouring every goddamn third-rate league in yeah. Europe looking for a goaltender with your goaltending situation. But he yeah. did. And he went right back to Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. Yeah, but the problem in Edmonton goes back way more than since Allen is there, though. I mean, they yeah. had like an avalanche of first draft pick, and they went all out on the attack, thinking if we score goals, we'll win. They're like the opposite of the that Montreal Canadiens, who thought if we stop goals, we'll win. And that doesn't work. It didn't work for the Tampa Bay Lightning when they I know long. that. Edmonton doesn't. Here's, here's where it really oh, doesn't work. Stupid. It really doesn't work when you have a coach like Tippett, like who is not who is He's a was, defensive coach. Who is a defensive coach, right? So that is what he did in Arizona was, you know, he would be the perfect coach. Like I I don't know. I he would be the perfect coach for them in so many ways. I, I just I Again, feel, you're gonna throw Tippett back to Arizona? Oh no 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 no, no Montreal like I'm saying like, no 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 I'm not and I'm not saying that I wouldn't I don't want Tippett in Montreal now I'm not, I'm not by, saying, by the way here's the here's the connect here's the connection between Ken Holland and Jay Woodcroft he was video coach for the Detroit Red Wings for three seasons there you go there you go and on that I'm gonna go because I've got my other job waiting thank you very much see you soon guys thanks for having me see you soon right. um, no. yeah I know he was. Listen, his real connection with his real connection is he's been in the AHL. He's been his AHL coach for a couple. No, of no, years. I get it, but like, so he but knows him. a fair point. That he can't play. He can't play in goal. No, no, he can't. And and that is going to be. It still has to be addressed. I still think it will be addressed. I don't know how. I just can't imagine it's the Marty Jones route. That there we go. Like if you're going to go, if you're going to go, and it, it, yeah, I also they're don't think back he, to that. If they went to it before, I think they're going to go back to it again. I don't. I mean. I don't think it can. I don't think it can be. You know the flurry I'm route. Because... Get a fourth this time and say he won the trade. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't imagine. Um, no, I mean there are other guys. There are other guys out there. There's there's definitely guys out there that can be like I think Halak is a, is a better option. Like there's there's like yeah, but oh, no, not after no last move. night. He had a horrible game. Halak's got a no move, I believe. Actually. He's got a no move, but he's gonna he's he's a, he's 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 a hired gun right now, and he's gonna be the he's the situation where if he gets a chance to go to the playoffs, and Vancouver's not going to the playoffs, for example, with Edmonton, that's like if you're gonna be a UFA, that's a golden opportunity as a goalie. Like you know, you go you in there. You go in there and you get a chance to play with the Oilers. I mean, the Oilers could get hot. You never know. And if you don't get hot, it's not your fault. So at the end of the day, that's like the reality is that Halak is Halak would go there. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And but I, and I think he's got the ability to show up in big games in big situations. And you know that's why I think Gar Halak is is Here, you know, here's a bigger thing. Yeah. or Halak, either one. Remember of how remember how they used to say that Philly was a toxic environment for goalies, but Carter Hart's kind of shot that down, right? Um, I think Edmonton has become that. Yeah, 
Yeah. And maybe and maybe that's the reason why a Markstrom doesn't sign in Edmonton. Could be. Oh, there's no question. I mean, that that, that had to do with it. Like the, 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 there was, you know, Markstrom. Yeah, and and it came down to Calgary offered him more. It's too. been more than a few years since a goalie's been really good there. Yeah, and it's it's not. You need a goalie who, you need a special kind of goalie who is not going to be who is a kind of goalie that plays better when they're getting pounded with shots. Right. That is not Martin Jones. Okay. Jones is Jones even when his best was not the best goalie when being pounded with shots. Jones is like a solid. He'll keep the game close goalie. That's what he is. But he's not like the the, the pounded with shots guys are Hudobin and Halak. Those two, those are two guys that in their careers have gotten pounded with shots and, and, and excelled in that position. Flamester, here's a little clue. There's a certain thing called assists that this guy does not know the concept of. Mike, let me give you a clue. There's a certain <laughs> thing called line mates. <laughs> it's like he, he, I mean, apples. He's allergic to apples. Andrew Mangipia, it just has no line mates. It's like, it's insane. I, <laughs> he's, anyway, I'm telling um, you, there's a couple, there's a couple guys that I, and I've always been right about these guys. You guys know this. Like when I pick a guy out ahead of time, I'm not a good prospect guy like you, Russ, but I pick out guys and they turn into something. And this is one of them. And the other one is, is Connor Garland, who I still think is like, if, if it being available again, I no, honestly it, think that he is it, another one who it does, it does sound like Rutherford is, is going to try to move him because his salary is low. And we know Rutherford likes to make hockey deals. So mm-hmm. he's got to generate some flexibility and there might yeah. be some teams out and there. At the end of the day, he likes Besser and the guys he has, and he wants right. to keep them. So the re, that, that's where it comes down to. But man, if I, I heard Florida linked to Connor Garland, if Florida gets Connor Garland, that's, crazy i mean that, that, that would, would be crazy i mean because well, I, I, <laughs> he's I, a lot like bennett in a lot of ways like bennett and garland are very similar yeah, type I, of I agree with that but it, honestly if if bill zito does anything other than trade for a defenseman because i think their defense is okay but yeah. if they got if they got chikrin added that adding that to Uyghur and ekblad then they're a legit then then they then i think they could take out tampa Oh, they, I think they'd win the cup even more than I think they'd win the cup now. Yeah. Yeah. From what I heard, they that the chicken thing is they are so far apart from and there's many, well, many you know, teams, teams that have teams that haven't talked to Arizona, as I was told, teams that haven't talked to Arizona are way closer to getting chicken than Florida is. Well, I mean, I mean, but, I mean if, if if Arizona is looking for an Eichel deal when it comes to chicken, I mean well, speaking of speaking of Eichel, it might be worth that. I do want to mention one thing to the chat room. Paul Simon, if you want me on your podcast, just go on Twitter and send me a DM. See? Okay. There you go. Yeah. If you want me too. <laughs> Mike doesn't have to be on it. Anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one ever wants um, to be on their podcast. We've seen we got a, we got a few <laughs> minutes. We, we got a few minutes before we have to end the show, but uh Brad Marchand's six game suspension for his uh for his uh hijinks. Any problems yeah. with that? Too low, too low, too low. Too low? At this point, yeah, it should have been 10. It really should have been. My point, what I wrote in my blog is like everything has to start at 10 at this point. The Martian has to start at 10 because it's just, he's in so many friggin' situations. Hey, you can't just, tell me even six is going to have an impact on him. No, it doesn't. And it doesn't have an impact on the Boston Bruins either. So that's like, to me, to me, in order to get the way to get to Marshawn is to make an impact on the Boston Bruins. Uh, Team USA beats China eight nothing. Unfortunately, the U.S. can't do that in geopolitics against the Chinese. Um, That's a start. You know, you got to start somewhere. I mentioned I, I watched the first period. That's what I watched, right? And you know, and, and China did put up a um, a little bit of a fight in that first period. I kind of had the feeling that the tide was going to turn, but 
Um, I will say that Drew Camesso did really well, so Kevin Allen could say what he wants, but I'm still fully on board. Okay. The thing that he did, the thing that he did best was he was gloving everything. Like there was no secondary rebounds. If he does that throughout the tournament, that's going to help a young team like that tremendously. Yeah, yeah. Sean Farrell, who's a Montreal prospect, had three goals and two assists in the game. Yeah. Uh, Russ, you mentioned uh, the prospect for the uh, is it for the Czechs, uh, Slavkovsky. Yeah. Slavkovsky is like an amazing skater, dangler, uh, just so much ability. And, you know, he had two goals in his first game, set an Olymp- tied an Olympic record because he was 17. And, you know, they, they also have Simone Nemec on that team. And so I want to watch another I – I missed that game, but I want to watch a Slovak game just because of the, uh, the draft eligibles. I've seen them before, but I want to just see them again yeah. in a different environment. So, to me, that's fun. That's good. Um Again, the uh, level of play is compared to the NHLers is down a lot. Though. Oh yeah, please. I mean, I, I didn't see the final. I know that uh, the Canadians were beating the Germans four to one in the third. Jordan Wheels having a big game. Who was? It's, it was yeah, it's. I mean, it's just yeah. He had, and he has that ability. We you know he does. He's he's got yeah for like three or four games, and then he doesn't show up for like yeah. Like when he when he works really hard, if he works at his hardest, he's an interesting player. But he, yes. he doesn't always work there. Um, I'm gonna give you two guys though. I, I talked about this on another show. China has the Foo brothers, Spencer Foo and Parker Foo. Um, Spencer was on the um, union team with Shane Gostaspier when they won it all. He's been playing in the KHL. He is a pretty good scorer, always has been, and was putting on a pretty good show in that game, too. The issue was always his foot speed. Now, his brother has had trouble finishing but has much better foot speed. These are two guys that are not that old. Uh, Parker is only 23, and he's actually property of the Blackhawks, so it's possible that if he does well, they can come over. These are the kinds of guys that by playing in this tournament – could yeah. elevate their status, get them a contract in either the NHL or the AHL instead of playing for Kunlun. So, you know, there is an opportunity for some players here. We had and 25 players on that Chinese team from that team in the AHL, which is really funny. Um, yeah. 15 of them naturalized on the spot, heck. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, fi- and finally, uh, finally, uh, good news uh, in terms of hiring in Vancouver, uh, Cammy Granado hired as an assistant general manager by Jim Rutherford. Now they have two, uh, women in the, in their, in their management. Uh, uh, and yeah, I mean, he was, uh, uh, it was Emily Castangay. I think it is, is the, is the name of the other, yeah. uh, um, yeah. uh, but Cammy Granado was a scout with Seattle and mm-hmm. this, you know, she lives in Vancouver. She's married to Ray Ferraro. It makes more sense to her, uh, you know, living situation wise, but also the fact that, you know, she's getting, she's now like, you know, a sort of power broker in that organization. She's just not like a scout. She's making hockey decisions. This is a good thing. Here's the one yeah. thing I want to mention about Cammy Granado. So um, I covered the, um, I forgot the award now. John Halligan won it. Stan Fischler's won it. Um, Cammy Granado won it, but she was, they were all there the same year. And it's a very famous award for like the NHL and USA hockey name is escaping me. Someone in the chat room will know it. Anyhow, I interviewed Cammy Granado for a while. Right. And the things that really came through in that were she's super smart, super competitive. Like she used to play against guys. Now a great trivia question is who's the all time leading scorer for hockey at the Providence college. It's Cameron Granado who has the all-time record. Nobody's going to break it. That's like, amazing. no guy, nobody, nobody will break <laughs> it. She's had that many points. 
But she also would say that when her brother played with the Rangers and was playing with Leach, she was like a contemporary of those guys. Yeah, she was. And so when you have that kind of gravitas, that means you could get things done in the NHL. Oh, yeah. because they fully respect everything about you. I think I talked before about my little go after this. I think I've talked before about my um, cross flight, cross country flight with Don Granado years ago. Um, just where we happened to be sitting next to each other on a plane between Vancouver and Boston in that series. And I talked to him a lot of, and I, I told Ron, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, man, I've talked to a lot of hockey people. You're like up there among the smartest hockey people I've ever talked to. I'm not trying to just float your boat, but I was really impressed with all those ideas. Um, he said, well, I'm nothing compared to Cammy. Yes, I remember him saying that. He's like, Cammy or not. Sure, and I was talking about Tony, like, you know, because Tony was talking about Tony Lester. played, but Don, Don, who, um, you know, was coaching now for the, yeah, obviously, it's the Lester Sabres. Patrick Award. The Lester Patrick Award, yeah. But, but Cammy was always one of these guys who's like, you know, crazy, 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 um, just smart, just knows hockey inside out. Really knows hockey. And that's the key. Absolutely. All right. Time, time I have for today, folks. Um, we'll be back in tomorrow, maybe with a surprise guest. We're not going to say commit yet because I'm waiting for a couple of logistical things to work out, but. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. You'll oh definitely want to check out tomorrow's show at 1. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.